Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Good morning and good afternoon to everyone. This is the Mike Abadir Show, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking sports today. But before we do, uh, today is February 15th, Thursday, the day after the shooting in Florida. And before we have some fun, just wanted to make a quick mention of a couple months ago, we had a really good guest, a friend of Gino Bacola's, Bubba Derby, who is a pitcher in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, and he walked us through play-by-play, minute-by-minute, as best as he could, his recollection of the Vegas shooting. He was attending the concert and was there and witnessed it and saw the horror, and he came on the show and gave us a real heartfelt, you know, like I said, just walking us through exactly what happened minute-by-minute. So when you hear about what happened yesterday in Florida, it's obviously touching, heartbreaking, all of those things. And it made me think of uh, Bubba, your friend, Gino. And I know there's a lot of banter going on back and forth. There's a lot of emotion and people are angry and frustrated and looking for solutions. And I don't have them, most certainly. I don't know if you do, Gino, but you know, uh, I just hope that people can come together and think about these families, try to come up with some solutions, not unfriend each other and have a lot of hostility towards one another but really come together to try to find a way to protect students and schools. We've done a good job protecting airports and other areas that are at risk. So hopefully people can come together and just uh, come up with some good solutions. I think we're all smart enough as a nation and advanced enough that we could come up with a way to keep all sides satisfied, Gino. So uh, that's kind of my two cents on it, G. I know it touches you because of Bubba and, um, you know, we're, we're touched by, you know, hearing the stories of these students. And there was a, a football coach and an athletic director who passed away as well. So a little bit challenging to talk about sports and, and things that are a little bit more meaningless, relatively speaking. But let's try to have a little bit of fun today, a little brevity, and uh, see if we can move things forward. But definitely encourage people to go back and listen to the on-demand of uh, Bubba Derby G. Yeah, and if there's anybody out there, I mean, if, if you're the type of person who has uh, some extra uh cash or if you have uh, extra time anything you can do prayers and and positive thoughts are always great but it's always a little bit better if you can physically do something to help whether it be sending your time sending uh some sort of a donation because there's going to be a lot of help needed um for all the victims of uh, of what's been happening this week so absolutely uh, thoughts and prayers out there with everyone but again if, if, you, if there's anything you can do i'm going to try to look for some of the best way um fundraising efforts and spread them out on social media so again you know a buck here there little little donations that they're all all going to help and they're all going to be greatly appreciated so um we'll uh we'll try to make the transition it's never easy to transition and talk to uh, sports after the big important things happen like that in the world but uh, our job is as you mentioned try to uh talk sports keep people informed keep people having fun so uh we'll do our best to, to keep doing that here on the show mike and it's uh it's nba all-star weekend coming up yes uh, it is we also have pitchers and catchers that reported for spring training we're gonna have joe who won our yahoo sports nfl pick'em contest on for his segment a little later we're gonna talk all about the eagles and their magical run through the playoffs 
after Wentz got hurt, how their perspective changed. We'll also pick Joe's brain a little bit on uh, Philly and just some of the Philly teams in general. We could talk some new look Cavs. Lots going on uh, in the world. But you want to start with some uh, some All-Star weekend festivities, a little NBA action? Well, let's do that. And I kind of want to debate you on uh, – I know you're a huge NBA buff. You, you love your NBA. You love your basketball. You love your pro in college. But um, I'm going to challenge you to, to to really explain to me why you think that the NBA All-Star Weekend is is a is a watch. I Something think, I should spend some time on to watch. And, and let's compare it to some of the other pro All-Star games that are out there as well. Let's say for at least for this year, I think there's some interest because this is going to be the first time ever that we've seen the teams selected by two captains. And they aren't following strict rules, Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. There's crossover. So we had Team LeBron and we had Team Steph as the team captains. And they, they, and they were the highest vote earner, earners to get yes. that, right? Yes, okay. they were, they were the, the highest vote tallies by the fans in order to get that mantle. And so what they did is they selected. The only thing that I think is frustrating is wouldn't it have been a lot of fun to see that process? I've heard people talk about it like, wouldn't it have been great to have LeBron and Steph sitting next to each other on Inside the NBA on TNT, and then you have like Ernie hosting the show, but you've got Shaq next to LeBron, and then you got Barkley next to Steph just to kind of needle all their picks. Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done, you know, just got to talk trash to them as they're making their drafts all the way through. I think it would have been fun, something like that, just to kind of put on TV. And then everybody starts asking the questions like, Oh, okay, so who's LeBron going to pick? Does that mean that's where LeBron's going to go next year? Is he going to team up with that guy? Uh, and then everybody was wondering, is he going to pick Kyrie Irving, which he did pick Kyrie on his team? Uh, you know, is Steph going to go with the, with the Warriors player? There were some fun kind of storylines that we really didn't get to see play out. The one I, that I have I, some I, solutions, by the way. Go I have ahead. some solutions because wasn't, wasn't the main point of contention that if these guys are picking teams – there could be some hard feelings between the guy, you know, the guy that goes That's last so or teammates. Bogus, right. All right. That's so how so about bogus. this? Well, here's a solution. You, you set some guidelines, some rules in place. For example, you, you say that you cannot pick a member of your own club. This is an, is an example, right? So if you're a warrior, if you're Steph, you can't pick another warrior, right? That eliminates any possibility of hard feelings that, oh, okay, you took, you know, Durant before you took, you know, so-and-so, that type of thing, right? The way it looks to me is just far as like the selecting of the teams, because LeBron, the way it said LeBron picked Durant first, it's, it's kind of funny because I think they were trying to keep it quiet. I, I don't think they really wanted it to get out. And then they uh, Durant was interviewed the day that it happened. He was like, yep, I got they picked me first. They told me <laughs> he was just like the whole system under the bus. Right. Yeah, he was excited. So, he was like the first time ever I got picked first. He was so pumped. It wasn't like a Greg Oden situation. Normally people go LeBron over KD, but he was, but popular. I kind of like hearing that, right? I me like too, knowing too. I that to know. two rivals for MVP awards every single year, two rivals for the finals almost every year, you know, are uh, are able to put that aside to put together the best team possible. But so the first rule would be you can't pick a member of your own current ball club. So a Cav can't pick a Cav, you know, a Warrior can't pick a Warrior, right? That's it. The, the next one would be maybe you do something like you fill positional spots in order or in whatever order, but you can't pick like two centers in a row. You pick a center and then you pick a shooting yeah, guard. They went, so what they did was I think they had the list of the starters that all got voted on and they had to pick out of the starters first out of all those who got voted on. And then they went to the reserves. But honestly, I think just looking at the list, it looked like I think they actually picked the starters. And then it might've been more like a, 
why don't you take that guy, I'll take this guy kind of thing on the reserves? Because then it looked like, you know, LeBron ended up with Love uh, and a couple of the e- a couple more of the Eastern Conference guys on his side. And then you had Steph, who ended up with Draymond and Clay on his side. So it kind of looked like they, after the starters, they might have just kind of said, okay, one will go this way, one will go this way. Um, this will also be the first year where the winners are getting $100,000 each versus $25,000 each for the losers. In past years, it was $50,000 for the winners versus $25,000 for the losers. So there really wasn't much of a difference between winning and losing. And, and that is what people were saying might have been why you don't see a lot of defense. You, people, They're kind of saying, okay, we're getting $25,000 no matter what. The difference between the $25,000 and the fifty dollars isn't that big. But now you're talking about the difference between $25,000 and $100,000. And even for guys who make millions of dollars, there's some pride in it. There's some ego. I'm not rich by any means, Mike, but if you and I are are out there playing a game of ping pong or pick up basketball on the street for five bucks, I'm going to want a little more incentive to win that game. Yeah, I, I think so. But there's a big difference. These guys are competitively, competitively playing every single day. So for you and I, you know, we're not doing that. So we're going to get up for your 4th of July softball party. We're going to get up for, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. So it may be a little bit different for guys like that who every single day are competing for a living to get up for one more game. Right. But why not throw them one more twist at it, which is and we'll see. instead yeah, of the like, money going to their pockets, how about having the money go to a charity? So now it's like, hey, I want to win it for the Boys and Girls Club or I want to win it for blah, blah, blah. You know, I think I think what you'll see is I think you'll see a lot of the guys on the winning team donate their money. You know, I think they won't. I think it probably won't be like something that they have listed. You have to do, but I guarantee you, like when you know, if Team yeah, Steph wins, can match that, right? Yeah, NBA no, and, and, I, and I bet you they will. Guys, and I think and do another hundred that goes to charity. So now it's like there's a that, I guarantee you they will. I guarantee you they will because it, it's just too easy of an idea and it's too good of of publicity to not do. You know, and and these guys don't need the money that much, but. It is nice. It's just more like a bragging rights incentive. To me, I kind of scratch my head sometimes and and wonder um, why. You, you see towards the end of the game when the defense starts to pick up a little bit in the fourth quarter and then the guys start to get a little bit of that ego. Um, I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more. You really only see like a couple of the new guys and then and Russell Westbrook. That's it. Those are the guys who play hard in the, in the All-Star game. Like Some of the guys who are in the game for the first time and Westbrook. You know, Westbrook, it doesn't matter what kind of a game it is. He will just play absolutely crazy, insane, 100% all the time. Um, I-, I love watching him play. Let's kind of run through the list real quick. If you were on Team LeBron this year, Mike, you basically were cursed. Um, this was LeBron's team. How many guys are out? Like four? Four, and they're all on on Team LeBron. All four of the All-Stars that got hurt were off LeBron's team. So his team started with... Uh, Cousins, Davis, Durant, Kyrie, and LeBron were the starters. And uh, DeMarcus Cousins is out. And then his reserve are LaMarcus Aldridge, Bradley Beal, uh, Drogic, Andre Drummond, Paul George. Kevin Love is out. Oladipo, Kristaps Porzingis is out. Kemba Walker, John Wall is out. And then he's got Russell Westbrook. So uh, they've already had to have Drogic, Drummond, Paul George, and Kemba Walker as four fill-ins for the team who had gotten hurt. Steph's team has been intact so far, but um, we're not quite sure because we'll go through the list real quick. Giannis, it's Steph, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Al Horford, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, and Carl Anthony Towns. Now, the, the interesting thing is Joel Embiid, 
who has, I think, played one back-to-back in his entire life. I'll, I'll completely I'll check on that for sure. I know the first back-to-back he ever played was this year. He is slated, Mike, to play in the Rising Stars game on Friday night. He's slated to do the skills challenge on Saturday, and then he's slated to start in the All-Star game on Sunday. So it's like if you if you got a guy in Philly who's like your franchise player and his issue forever has been health, never talent with Embiid, it's just been health. Can he stay on the floor? Can he stay on the court? What are you going to do with him? You know, I mean, you're going to let him it's, – it's supposed to be fun and an exhibition. You're going to let this guy go out there three nights in a row, you know – messing around like that with a possible injury on the line because Luke Walton has already said the Lakers who played Wednesday night the Lakers also play Thursday night tonight the night that we are recording this podcast and then Friday night is the night of the Rising Stars the Rising Stars challenge and the Lakers have Kuzma uh, Ingram and Lonzo Lonzo's hurt so he's not going to play but Luke has already said I I don't want my guys playing three nights in a row or if they, if they do, maybe 10 minutes. You don't, you don't ever have a back-to-back-to-back nights in the NBA. And now we're going to have a couple rookie, a rookie and a second-year player maybe doing it for the Lakers. There's, a, there's some, you know, some question marks coming into this weekend where it's supposed to be a, a rest kind of week. Some of these guys might be overexerting themselves a little bit. Let me give you my take on that, okay? And it's a different take than I'd have if I was writing the checks or if I was coaching any of these teams, Okay. While I'm sitting in my living room watching these games, I think we can all kind of agree that, generally speaking, in professional sports, teams baby their guys far too much. And it's kind of become a little wussified, I if I may say that, right? It so, happens in horse racing, too, nowadays. It I mean, happens honestly, in all sports, it, man. Yeah, like, remember when when teams you know, were all about double headers in baseball and you'd have pitchers pitching 10, 11, 12 innings. They'd even come back for a game two and pitch in relief. People weren't getting hurt, right? And here's the, here's the interesting thing about it. How many times do you see guys, it's very rare that guys go down in exhibition games or in these type of scenarios well, and in any of the professional sports. It's very rare. I know there was a, a kid in the Pro Bowl that played in like the, the sand volleyball game or was it, it was like a sand touch game or something like that that got hurt from the Bengals, I think, a couple years ago. But well, And you know what? Football it's very is fluky. the only one that's way different. Like baseball and basketball, you can you can turn up the dial yourself. Right. And you do that in football. That's dangerous. If you're not going 100 percent at all times in football, that's when people get hurt because it's contact. You're going to blindside someone. You got nasty hits in basketball. There's no it's, it's the full contact sports where the exhibition games, you can kind of play a seven versus a ten. But you you never, you never, you never see injuries in these, anyways. Is what I'm saying. In fact, yeah. a lot, so I mean, how many injuries do. in pro sports do you see where it's a guy um, in, in practice, untouched, tearing an ACL or whatever? No. I mean, half the injuries come in those type of scenarios that you can't predict, anyway. So I say, let it rip and let the chips fall where they may. As a, as a fan, as I'm, studied these games and has studied professional sports for many years, that's kind of my take on it. I say you just go 100% balls to the wall all the time and let the chips fall. That's how I'd be if I was a professional athlete. I can only speak for myself, but I, I think it, once you start kind of babying people, and like you said, horses too. I mean, look at how many times horses used to run in a calendar year 20 years ago, even 15 years ago versus now. It's very, very different. And I don't know. I, you can't I, I, I hear it with everything too. You know, a lot of people make the uh, you know, when you're when you have your kids and you're young, they say, 
um, you necessarily don't want to give them all the vaccines and the flu shot. You kind of, you know, you want to be like, it's, it's always better to be a little bit harder earlier, yeah. you know, because it, I think people learn and earn. And now with the, with a guy like Embiid, I mean, the, the Sixers are in the seven spot right now. They're 30 and 25. And let's be honest, they're not a playoff team without Joel Embiid. I mean, he's the reason why that they why they are so good this year. Ben Simmons Agreed. is good. They have a yep. good group. They have a good group, but they're not a playoff team. So you're looking at Embiid. You know what he wants. He's going to want to play. He's going to be shouting from the rooftops he wants to play. The problem is he didn't play in their most recent game, you know, which was Tuesday night. So now you go, okay, you have a guy who didn't even play in his recent in his most recent game. Now is he going to start Friday night for the Rising Stars? See, I would like to see him maybe, I, I think, like we said, a few minutes in each of the spots would be fine. Um, on Saturday, he's not going to necessarily be playing in a game. It's literally just some drills that he's doing, which he would probably be doing on his off day anyways. That's fine, as long as Embiid knows. But, you know, you look at the guys like the Lakers, and, and what's crazy is that the guys we're talking about are all young real central parts of their organizations. So, I mean, we don't, you and I, we want to watch a, a fun weekend, right? We want to see a great rookie game where we've got Embiid and Simmons and Kuzma and Ingram and like Mitchell and all these future stars. We want to see, you know, okay, wait, this is what the future looks like. And then we want to see a fun skills game where they're having some fun and there's personalities and Embiid's one of the biggest personalities out there. But what we, we don't want to see is some freak accident where Embiid twists an ankle when he's doing a behind um, a through the legs dribble you know on a drill and then the whole weekend just leaves a sour taste in your mouth we don't want to see a, a Kyle Kuzma go down because for one of the first times maybe in his life he's played back to back to back games you know and he gets into a little hot streak and he starts draining threes and they just kind of leave him out there we we don't want to see that but we do want to see these guys in their talent and, you know, they've earned the opportunity to be able to show it off on a national stage a little bit. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. We've got a couple of minutes before we get to our first break here. I want to get your take on the slam dunk contest. I know before we got on the air, we were, you and I were talking about the different personalities who are in and the ones that we wish were in the competition for the slam dunk contest. But what are your thoughts on kind of some of the gimmicky props that they'll use, you know, flying over a car or a mascot or this or that. That's really all does it, does, now, does right? that move the needle for you? Does that excite no, you? That doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm still a fan of the creative dunk itself, you know, like but I, what if we've seen that same dunk over and over again? Is it unique because it's this guy versus Dr. J or this guy versus Jordan? See, because that's it's the, his own dunk. That's the, the main problem that I think you just pointed out is that, I think when you have a big star in there, it doesn't really matter. You know, I don't I don't think people would be frustrated seeing LeBron, Westbrook, Giannis, DeMar DeRozan doing their uh, Vince Carter, Kobe, um, you know, Dominique Wilkins, MJ impersonations. You know, their takes on those dunks. Give me Vince Carter now. I'll take him at 40. Yeah, right? <laughs> I to love me, Vince Carter. It's just the personalities that are in there. Yep. Oladipo's having a great year. Um and, you know, Mitchell's having a great rookie year. Dennis Smith Jr., he can throw it down. And I know Larry Nance Jr. can throw it down. They all can. They're great dunkers. They're really athletic. The problem is just from, like, a mainstream standpoint, when you've got a few people over on Saturday night and you're watching the NBA events, those four names, how many of the regular, just not not even an average, just like a below-average NBA fan would know any of those players? 
I completely right? agree with not, you. Not one of them. And that's the problem versus having a LeBron and a Westbrook, even a, Yama, a DeMar DeRozan and a, and a Giannis. Those are names that you know. Those are people that you know. Those are some of the best players in the league, and I think there'd be more buzz there. Even the three-point shootout, in which in some of the last few years has been pretty good because we've seen like Clay against Steph and, um, and some – some real studs. It's a little down this year. Gordon, Clay Thompson, Bradley Beal, Paul George, uh, Kyle Lowry, Booker, Wayne Ellington, Tobias Harris. They so, should just take like the five top five uh, three point uh, based shooters. on percentage or something yeah. like that. And just every year, that's what it is. And you got to do it. It's part of your contract. This is yeah, what you I have mean, to, you, you, you know, when you sign that contract, you're signing up for your season with the Cavs plus the All Star festivities plus, plus, plus. So to me, I, to see, I think that they should do it. Wouldn't you love to see um, like Kyrie, um, you know, Lilliard and James Harden in that mix too, and Steph Absolutely. and Clay. Like that would be oh, yeah. a five or six that we've seen in, in years past where you're like, oh, this is fun. There's, they're going to kind of have Clay and Steph kind of go at it a little bit. They've got a fun little rivalry about who's better. So, I mean, um, it, I always end up watching the events, but we just, there's, there's very easy ways they could all be improved a little bit. I, I completely agree with you. And we got about, 30 seconds for the break here. Let me throw out a suggestion for the slam dunk contest. How about, and obviously any suggestion I make when it comes to something like this, I'm sure you'll be able to modify it and make it better and, and genoize it, you know? Sure. Um, but why not take the dunkers based on height? So you have all the guys between like five, eight and six foot go up against each other. All the guys, let's say between six and six, six, all the guys between six, six and above. Right. And then you take the winner of, of all four categories and then and they go up against each other. So now the five, eight guys going up against a seven, so two guy. And what you're kind of getting something was, like that was like the year when it was Nate Robinson against Dwight. Yeah. You're going to get something like that, which yep. was one of the more fun years of the yeah. last. I you think know, you would get something years. that would be uh, talked about and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's something that's just a little different. You know, yeah. it's a little different, a little fun. I do appreciate that they did make some adjustments this year to try. That That's all we can ask, right? Try. If it doesn't work, then maybe you tweak it again next year. Okay, and after the break, I'm going to ask you this question so you could kind of think about it. Does it hurt the game that every year it's kind of tweaked a little bit differently? Like, is it better to have continuity so that I know what to expect come next year? Because it's gotten to the point where I don't know if it's in any of these all-star games, NHL, whatever. Is it the world against the U.S.? Is it you know, East versus West? Is it picking teams? Like, I don't know what we're getting from year to year. Does that hurt the game? Let's talk about that right after this next commercial break. We'll be back in a few seconds. Don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Mike and Gino talking a little NBA All-Star Weekend and the festivities that go along with it. We were just talking about how to improve these All-Star games and the events, the three-point contest, the slam dunk contest, so on and so forth. We're also talking about how the guys kind of let off the gas pedal a little, little bit, especially when it comes to the defensive side of the game, when it comes to the NBA All-Star game. And kind of looked like the Lakers uh, the last couple of nights. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. 140 points to the New Orleans Pelicans without yep. to, without Boogie. Um, Some fireworks too. Some ejections and oh yeah, it was kind of fun. conversations. Luke, Luke was excited. Yeah, Luke teams that excited. neither guy was on. Neither guy's on the Celtics yet. They're still having a Celtic kind of feud. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I love it. Celtic <laughs> feuds on the lakes. It was it was funny. It was a funny night. But you know, I I'm, I agree with you in the sense that it would be nicer to have a little continuity. But I think that the key is getting it right or trying to get it fun. And I, I think with most of the with most of the event, the two really that we're gonna talk about, because with, with the NFL, it's really impossible, right? You just can't have an exhibition game with the NFL because of the way the NFL is played. Like the point of the NFL, what makes it so awesome, why we love football, why it's so sexy, is because you never know. The next play, your best player could get knocked out of the game. You know, it's not a game that it's a full contact sport. How many injuries do we see with the best players every week in and week out? Um, I mean, at any moment, anyone can go down. It is full contact. You really can't play an exhibition that way. Scrap I, the I just don't think just you can. Scrap, scrap the Pro Bowl yeah, entirely. Just don't, no, there's, this, there's zero interest in it. Whereas, whereas you still do get interest in both the NBA All-Star Weekend and in, in – MLB. You still get to see the stars out there. It's still fun because there are a lot of different events. You get to see a lot of different faces. And with baseball, I really like what they did last year. You got to remember, the problem with baseball for a while was, okay, how do we make this game mean more? Because, you know, you know, 20 years ago, what was happening is people would play the first inning and then they would be on a flight going home in the third inning. Nobody really cared at all. So they made the tweak, you remember, in baseball to where the winner would get home field advantage for the World Series, which is just absurd. That home field advantage for the World Series is decided in an exhibition. Last year was actually the first time ever or the first time in the last 15 years where they changed it. And it was the winners get 20 grand. The, there was no more home field advantage decided by that. We saw that with the with the Doyers. But um I I think that the tweaks are are fun. You know, with baseball, what we get at least in the home run derby is I mentioned earlier in the in the se- in the first segment, you'll get a Stanton, you know, you'll get Harper, you'll get, you know, Trout occasionally. You'll get the big name guys to judge, want to judge last year. You know, yep. we last year was about the rookies. You know, we had Judge and Bellinger and the young guys. How how are they going to perform? So when we see that, 
I think people are tuning in to see the stars. We see the stars. And one of the it, one of the main issues with the Pro Bowl for a long time, too, has been you never get any of the players that are in the Super Bowl in that game because yeah, of the timing on it. Because the timing and everything like that. But that's because they switched it from a week after the Super Bowl to, to the week between, to the bye week. And people don't even know what it is anymore, honestly. No, they really don't. They really don't. And I've got some thoughts on all this. First of all, hands down, MLB, All-Star Game, All-Star Festivities, second to none. Absolutely the best, most intriguing, most fun, most enjoyable. And I think a lot of that is because the game lends itself to it. You know, here's the thing. You were talking about, jokingly, talking about guys, you know, on on flights back, you know, home after the third inning or whatever. Actually, what was was even more damaging and what led to the sudden change was the tie game because they ran out of pitchers, right? And so... You know, to me, th- those are easy fixes by having maybe emergency pitchers that are on the all-star roster for such a situation. You could fix those kind of things. But to take it back further, in yesteryear, before interleague play, it was, well, let me take you back even way before that. Like in the 1800s, the National League and the American League were two completely separate, distinct leagues, right? And so then they came up with the concept of the World Series. Let's find out which has the better talent. Is it the AL or the NL, the senior circuit, or right? So they brought together those two leagues and then eventually merged into one. And then when they brought the All-Star game, it was, hey, you got the best from the AL versus the best from the NL. The only time we see each other is in the World Series. Let's slug it out and see who's got the better talent. So there was a lot of pride involved, especially if you're not the Yankees and in the World Series every year. And at that time, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, those are the teams that are usually in it. This was going to be your only time to showcase your talent in front of a national audience in such a manner. So there was a lot more pride involved. Of course, they weren't playing for as much money. So now, fast forward many years, they're, they're all making way more money, enormous amounts of money compared to what they did, you know, what they were making in the 20s, 30s, 40s, et cetera. And you had this tie situation, and then it becomes, okay, the guys don't care about the game anymore. I'm not so sure because I think the game lends itself. I mean, it's not like if you're in, playing shortstop, you're going to commit an error, right? Sure. You don't no, want to yeah, have yeah. that happen in, a, in, a, in an all-star game. So I think guys do play pretty hard. Now, maybe they don't dive as hard, but even there, I haven't really seen anything that suggests that there's not effort. Baseball's a clean one because, like you said, they're just not they're not going to make mistakes, you know, no. you're not going to see guys like you're not going to strike Olay. out on purpose. You yeah, know? you're not going to Olay a ground ball. You're going to no. catch a ground ball. You're going to catch a fly ball. Like in the, in the NBA, they'll just kind of let the guys go in the first couple quarters. You know, they don't they, they there's not really screen set. They don't fight through anything. They just kind of let everyone take the lane and score. It's it's more of like a you showcase all showcase. And then I think what what we've seen happen is that they start to play defense in the fourth quarter. Yep. You know, they'll start to lock down a little bit. It'll be close. And then. Then guys will, you know, will start saying, "Okay, now I want to win." They'll get that little, you know, that little streak down their back where they, "Okay, I want to win this game." In baseball, you you get clean play throughout, so that that's what's nice about the baseball game. And actually, last year was a good game. I mean, they they they're generally good games. You don't they see, usually are, they yeah. You don't see like game. super high scoring games. They're actually quick and clean, and they're you know they're the best players in the league. And what you even see is you have the best pitching. So a lot of times you'll get, you know. You're going to have five or six of the best pitchers coming in for one inning apiece. They're going to be fresh every inning, and they're going to, they're going to be impossible to hit is what Absolutely. we see a lot of the time. You know? And let me tell you this. You have the most moments 
from the MLB All-Star game, right? There's yeah. not a lot of moments that really stand out for me in any of the other All-Star games. But no, you got like a to Bo Jackson hitting the home run uh, off of Rick Rush All-Star game or sliding into the catcher. Uh, yep, exactly. Or or how about um Bond just a funny moment. How about Bond? Was it uh, center field? Uh, center fielder for the Twins, Tory Hunter. Remember when Tory Hunter robbed Bonds when he was awesome? Yeah, that moment. You have even the funny moment between Randy, Randy Johnson, Johnson and Larry Walker. A Cruck. Was it Cruck? Was it Cruck? Yeah, Cruck. Right? Uh, where he yeah. didn't want to swing the bat <laughs> as a lefty. He was like, "The hell with this, man." You know. So you have a lot of funny, iconic moments. You don't really get those from the other sports. So to me, that's what. Let's makes- see, in basketball, what, what, what do you? I mean, I remembered the uh, the Jordan. The Jordan MVP, right? Yeah. When when they were kind of all like giving him the last shot to take over and over, they kept like like setting him up to take the last shot. Then you get like Jordan and Kobe out there together was fun. Like Kobe, Shaq, they had a couple interesting ones out there. Then you'll get the things like when the cat uh, when the um, when the Warriors were really good and they they got four or five guys out on the court together. So you'll get like little little moments, but you definitely you, you really don't get like the fun moments that we've seen a lot of the times in baseball. You're right. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, there's been some pretty iconic moments from guys from Philadelphia, right? Like Mike Schmidt, you know, perennial all-star manning that third base, like, like Brooks Robinson and, and also being a league leader in home runs and an MVP candidate. You know, you've, you've got Dr. J obviously being the biggie and then Iverson few years, few years after that. And uh, I'm talking about Philadelphia because uh, we're, we're going to be able to sit back and relax because we've got a new host for the rest of the show. And I'm talking about the winner of our NFL playoff pick'em contest, did a superb job, went by the name Win It For Wentz. And I'm talking about Joe Quillen, who is, as the winner, gets to host a segment on our radio show. So a big congratulations to Joe how are you, my friend? What's going on, Joe? Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Outstanding. Joe, great to have you. I've actually uh, interacted with Joe for a while. Joe, you're a, a racing fan, too. I used to have interactions with you uh, on TVG. So you, you play the races, and uh, you live out in Philly. Are you a fan of all the Philly teams out there? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you were to come to my apartment, I mean, there's there's something Philly related on my TV, whether it's uh, Villanova or this time of the year between the the Phillies and the Flyers. I mean, the Sixers and the Flyers. I've been known to stream one while the while the other one's on the TV just to keep track Double of everything that's going on. Absolutely, and I, you got to do that. I've unfortunately had a couple times this year where I've got the Lakers and USC on both at the same time. You can't really focus. It's fun, but you you wish you could watch them one after the other. Joe, I mean, what what's the what's it like out there right now? I mean, honestly, it's got to be a lot of fun in Philly. It, you know, you just won the Super Bowl in particular, but you have a really young, exciting basketball team out there in the Sixers. There's got to be a good a good atmosphere, kind of good feelings, good juju in the air out there. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, you look, you look at the team, it's nice and young. You got Ben Simmons. He's, he had another triple double last night. Um, Joel Embiid. Um, he, I mean, he's, he, I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter and he, he's, he's a laugh with, with some of the things he posts and he's a great guy. He's a great center. And I think he, I think he's come at a time where 
you don't see many seven-foot centers in the league at all, but he, he has the game where he can step back and hit that big three when you need it, or he can play down low. I mean, he's he has had some minor injuries. He didn't play last night because he had a uh, he had an ankle sprain, which I found out when I got home a little late and I watched the second half of the game and then watched the replay later on. That that was a big win last night because they were down 24 points in the third quarter. And I don't know what Brett Brown said to that team. I don't know if it was a combination of what he said with possibly uh, the Miami Heat. Uh, coming back with uh, coming back off of a uh, back to back playing the second half of a back to back with uh, playing Toronto the night before, things are looking things are looking up for the Sixers. Part one of the process is over. We're in part two where the part two of the process is starting to win, get that first playoff berth, and who knows? It's right now they're in the seventh spot. They got they got the easiest. They have the easiest schedule per win percentage the rest of the year at 440. So who knows? Great maybe stat. they move up. Maybe they move up to the four or five game in the uh, the four or five series in the first round because four through nine is so tight. Maybe they get to that four or five game. Maybe it's Milwaukee. Who knows? Maybe they pull off the upset. Then you then as of right now, I mean, it probably ends up being Cleveland. But if it stays being Toronto, we all know in the last couple of years, Toronto has been, has lost in, in pretty crazy ways the last couple of years. And who knows, maybe a surprise team gets into the, into the Eastern Finals. I mean, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I mean, I'm a type of guy you know, that I, I, let's take the I next don't think step you really are, Joe, though. That. Yeah, I really don't think you are. And, and honestly, the, what I think is the best part of, of your um, your possible success in the playoffs is no back-to-backs. You know how nice that's going to be in a first-round series when you don't have to worry about Joel Embiid ever playing a back-to-back. He's always going to get at least one night in between to rest. In the first round, sometimes they have two and three nights in between games. So I can promise you that if, you know, if you're the Celtics, if you're the Raptors, if you're the Cavs, but you don't want to see the Sixers because this is a team that really has nothing to lose and everything to gain right now. You know, with with young, they're young, they're hungry, and they have they have loads of talent. And you've got a city that's just buzzing. Yeah, and and this 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 city this city has gotten behind the Sixers even when even when they were winning ten games a couple of years ago. They may not have been. Uh, they may not have been in the seats, but they were following the team. They were, they wanted to see what it, they they were waiting in anticipation for Embiid to come back, uh, Simmons to come back. This year, it's Markel Fultz who's out. I mean, this, this, and that's that's a great point. Where you know we're talking about what a great year without Fultz. Even yes. you haven't even gotten yes. any production from the number one pick yet. Exactly. So, so let me put you on the spot a little bit here and test your your Philadelphia fanhood, Joe. Okay. You've had some recent success, obviously, with Villanova uh, a couple weeks ago with the Eagles. Um, you know, somewhat recent history with with the with the Philadelphia Phillies baseball club. Sixers. It's been a little bit of a while. So, who would you most want to see win the next championship? Is it to have the Eagles repeat? Is it to see the young talent with the Phillies, uh, you know, 
surprise everybody and take it all the way? Is it Villanova again? Uh, you know, if you, if you had to have, if you could only get one championship out of these, out of the teams that you love next, who would it be? I really feel it could be the Eagles again because they got a lot of key players who are signed to deal. Now, now is that who you are. think could be or who you want? Right. Or, and give me both, actually. Well. Who, who's most likely and who, who would you most want as a fan? I, I want the Eagles to do it again. Wow, okay. I, I, I want to I see the dynasty here. Nice. Okay. I mean, that's, I, that's, I mean, I shouldn't use that word, but no. But you, you, you got to. You got a young team. You got a, a quarterback, and you got a young team who was missing your MVP level quarterback when it mattered most. And we're we're like a minute or two away from the break, so we'll kind of tease it a little bit, Joe. But when we come back from our fight and for our final segment, we'll talk about the Eagles, and we'll kind of set you up along the road because I'm curious as a fan how your mind and your perspective changed. You know, as the year is going on, your team is so dominant, you're looking, and, and I've got a, a good buddy of mine, and he's called in a couple times, uh, James, he was a, like a, one of our resident Eagles fans, and he would call and give us his uh, his opinion. It was funny to see how the, it was like a roller coaster, how it changed from, man, we, we could really win this thing, and then Wentz goes down, and, y- y- you know, you have a decent week with Foles, and then a couple bad weeks with Foles. So now you're starting to scratch your head wondering if you even are going to win a playoff game. Your perspective had to kind of be a roller coaster over the last month or so. Oh, it, it definitely was. I, once Wentz went down, I didn't know what to expect when, when, when we went, came back from L.A. and we prepared for the Giants game. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you're onto something when you're talking about the dynasty possibility. I don't think it's premature, and I'll tell you why. The Eagles are extremely well coached. Peterson did an amazing job this season. It's not just because he won the Super Bowl; it's because of how he his in-game management was fantastic. I love yeah, some you of his say quotes. It. He, he grabbed his huevos. He did. He, have you he seen did. some of the things that he said since winning? I mean, talking about you know, trusting your players, putting them in a position to succeed. But he's also kind of, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something along the lines of, if you don't manage the game, in-game, to win and go for fourth downs and do some trick plays and do some things like that, you're always going to be stuck in the eight and eight, nine and seven kind of zone. And look at how many coaches in the NFL don't trust their players enough to roll the dice and to make it happen. We saw it a couple of years ago, starting with Del Rio going for, uh, I think it was the opening game against the Saints. With the Raiders, and they went for a two-point conversion to win the game, and and it succeeded, and it set the tempo for the whole year. And I feel that Peterson did the exact same thing. So I love we did what he did. We are up against a commercial break, Joe. We're gonna kind of hand over the reins to you in a few minutes and let you kind of dictate the conversation a little bit. We've got a few more questions for you, though. Pick your brain a little bit about Philadelphia sports, and then get your thoughts okay. on, about some of the things that you want to talk about. So let's take a break right now, and we will be back with Joe Quillen, winner of the NFL playoff pick'em contest. And he really killed it. He uh, oh, took, took the Eagles all the way to the and finish line. The so Not only did he ride the Eagles, but he could have just been on the Eagles all the time and still not won. He, his selections were great all around. So. Deciding those point totals, that's not an easy task. So let's talk about that and also find out a little bit about his methodology for the contest when we come back from this next commercial break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. Mike and Gino chilling with Quillen, Joe Quillen, the winner of the I NFL Playoff. I see what you did there, Hunter. Mike. I, see I had to get it out, man. I I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rhymer. I'm not a flower, but I had to get that out because it just it just works because he's a cool guy. Joe Cool uh, doing real well, breaking down his affinity and love for all the Philadelphia sporting I'm clubs for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking about the Eagles and they're, they're flying high talking about potential dynasty. And I was just talking about how they're well coached and love how he rolls the dice. And the one thing that you'll see with any dynasty in the NFL, whether you go back to, you know, Lombardi or, you know, John Madden with the Raiders or Chuck Noll, Chuck Noll, the Steelers or Shula or Walsh or, or Belichick or whomever is they all. And I started with the head coaches. They're all extremely well coached. You can have a dynasty without having the right guy in place pulling all the strings. And I think they've got that. So you may be onto something, Joe, you, you guys may be celebrating uh, more than one parade in the next couple of years here. Right. And, 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 and the setup that they had was for this year's parade was perfect because if you, if you know the Rocky movies, Rocky was the underdog. He ran up the Rocky steps. Then this year, they had the parade where instead of when the Phillies won in 2008, they went down Broad Street. The Eagles went up Broad Street, the city hall, and around to the art museum. I thought the art museum was the perfect setting for this year's parade. And if there's any other championships with any other team, I, I would love to see that setting as opposed to going down Broad Street to whatever stadium that they end up doing, doing the final part of the parade. So it's it crazy out there, but, you didn't get yourself involved in any, uh, any, you know, of the uh, the animal poop eating or uh, or pole climbing or anything like that, right, Joe? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm too out of shape to do any climbing or anything like that. <laughs> I always love their funny, their funny, great, uh, funny celebrations to watch when the people get out there and get crazy because there's nothing like 
a genuine passion for a team you root for, Joe. I, I, I almost experienced it this year with the Dodgers uh, in my lifetime. This They've only won one. This is actually the only other time they've been to the World Series since I was one years old. So I've never really had an experience watching your team get there. And and it, it had to be, as we were mentioning before the break, what a roller coaster for you because you, you get the number one seed and you're thinking, wow, this is a great year. We have home field advantage through the playoffs um, into the Super Bowl if we can just win out. But your stud is down. Your number one quarterback, who was the who was going to be the MVP, had he not gotten hurt a couple games before the end of the season, he goes down. And in the last two weeks of the year, Nick Foles does not look very good. You get that week one bye. Atlanta beats the Rams, and now you got to worry about a team who was in the Super Bowl last year. There's a ton of buzz about Atlanta with all their experience. They've got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and they're a team that's been there before. You guys were actually an underdog at home, back-to-back games, which is just absurd in the NFL. Like, What was that first week like? Did you honestly think you were going to beat the Falcons? What were your thoughts going into that game? Once I saw that the Falcons won as the sixth seed and they were going to play the Eagles, I thought we had a chance of winning, but it, I, I, I didn't think it would be a blowout like the Minnesota game was. I, I thought it was going to be a close game throughout. I thought there would be a late turnover. Here it was a late turnover, uh, turnover on downs that sealed it for the Eagles. I, I thought it was such a narrow window, but I felt that the running game could get going against that Atlanta offense. And I did, uh, I mean, the Atlanta defense. And then I didn't realize until afterwards how simplified the Atlanta offense seemed to be more with Steve, Steve uh, Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator coming in from uh, USC and then making a stop in Alabama. It was. I like the matchup, and that was one of the one of the few games I think in the playoffs that I actually ended up picking right because you, as you mentioned, Atlanta they weren't very good all year, and I think there was a lot of buzz after they beat the Rams in that one game. They were a decently solid team all year, but they were not the same Atlanta team for la- from last year, and um, and I thought it was a great matchup for you. And then you know you move into week two, and, and it's another just com- different different experience you're you're playing the vikings uh in the conference final you're playing a team who's coming off this incredible emotional victory where it looked like they had no chance to win they score on a crazy last play of the game walk-off score so now it's starting to look like this is supposed to be minnesota's year because the vikings were going to have home field advantage in the super bowl if they get to the super bowl they're now one game away and it almost felt like you guys were were just completely forgotten that week. Like nobody was even thinking that the Eagles had an opportunity to win that game. Again, your your uh, underdogs at home against the Vikings. They open up the game on the first drive. They go right down the field. They run. They they score. They go right down the Eagles' throats. And then it, it looks like the Eagles are going to get blown out. And then the exact opposite happens. Minnesota yeah. turns the ball over, and it's just a massacre. Yeah. I mean, the, the one, that interception, uh, I think it was Patrick Robinson at the, near the end of the first quarter, that changed all the momentum in the game. When, when Minnesota got that touchdown, I'm saying, oh, no, because the Eagles' defense was, was incredible the whole season at home. 
they only gave up five touchdowns at home where they gave up more than where the drive was more than 55 yards and they only gave up 11 touchdowns at home at home 11 touchdowns at home in the regular season so when i saw that i was like oh god here we go here we go again it's just like the andy reed years where we where we losing the nfc championship game time after time after time but that interception changed the momentum you got the you got the offense going and the whole i, I don't know if i want to call it a curse but the curse of the out, the the dome team coming to an outdoor stadium for for a championship game. I mean, I didn't I didn't know it until until late in the game when they mentioned it. They've never won. I, I never I never expect I never expected thirty eight to seven. I expected a close game. Now it's interesting you bring you bring up Andy Reid. So let me ask you this: the last team that went to the Super Bowl with McNabb and To and everybody. Which was a better team? I know this team won it, but if they went up against each other head to head, who wins? I really feel that this year's team is better, and I think head to head, I think that this team would win. Mainly because when you look at the at at the two thousand, I think that's the two thousand four season. When you yep. look at that, even though the Eagles started out eight zero, Tio was behaving. Everything was clicking. The only thing is, the, the way Andy Reid always has been, and it was even in that season, you always had, you always had time control issues. You always had, you always had like uh, conservative play calling, and you didn't see that this year with Doug Peterson, and especially when Nick Foles took over. I felt that what one thing that Doug Peterson did was he made sure he played to Nick Foles' strengths. He went and looked back and he saw, okay, this is what he did in the 27-2 and two season that, he, that Nick Foles had with Chip Kelly. He saw that the RPOs were his strength, and he started using them even more and more, and that, that's, that's a lot of the reason why we got through the Minnesota game like we did. Couldn't agree with you anymore, Joe. I think you just nailed it right there. And, and once again, and it goes back to coaching, right? Joe, so, Joe, what exactly. was, like, from last year to this year? Because last year, Peterson comes in. You guys have an okay year, but you're a young team with a new quarterback. What was the, the thought, like, what was the feeling on him as a coach last year? Was it still positive? Did you still like the fact that he was a kind of um, an aggressive coach? Or were you still kind of unsure because he, was, he wasn't proven yet? Yeah, I, I really thought that he was uh, he was aggressive from the start. I think he realized last year that there there wasn't the weapons that we had this year, and he tried to do what he could with what he had. And you, a lot of times, if you don't have the weapons, you're not going to win. Jeffrey and you know uh, Smith were a couple big ones. You know they were big down the stretch for you. Just guys like that to have. Uh, and then you had a different Nelson Aguilar this year, too. You know, you had completely different players at the skill positions. Then you bring in a, a Jai. You bring in uh, a Blunt, a Clement. Like, you had, from a skill standpoint, it was a completely different group. Exactly. And, and, and it's amazing what a, few, what, a few, what a few skilled players can do to bring your offensive, your offensive play up when you know you got the defense that can do the job. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, you guys are talking about the skill position guys and things of that nature. Gino, let me take you back to the start of our Super Bowl preview show. And I threw out two names, and we haven't had a chance to really circle up on some of the Super Bowl issues, but the two names that I threw out were Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt. I said, yep. look out for those guys being huge factors. I think I think that came into play. I think it was huge, hugely positive to have those guys from a leadership perspective. We've got about a minute and a half left, Joe, and feel free to cover whatever you want. But I was going to give you a couple of quick rapid-fire questions and, and see what your gut instinct tells you to, to throw out there. So let's start with favorite Philadelphia Philly. Is it Schmidt, somebody in yesteryear? Is it Utley or Howard or, or Ryan Howard? Or is it the youngster right now, Rice Hoskins? Um, right. I mean, I can tell you right now, I, I, I love Chase Utley. Um, I, like, I like the hustle that he had from, from day one. And I secretly rooted for the Dodgers in the World Series, even though I'm not really that much of a Dodgers fan. <laughs> because of Utley. Get nice. that ring and retire. My mom's going to love that when she nice. hears the show. Nice. Gonna, she nice. loves Utley. She is the biggest Utley fan. My mom's crazy Dodger fan, and she loves Utley. So brownie points for you, Joe, on that one. There you go. One, nice. one more for you, and then we're going to have to wrap this up. Uh, favorite Eagle, uh, a McNabb, a, a, a Bryant West, uh, Westbrook, or a uh, or, or, or a, uh, Reggie White, or or Foles, or who, who's who's your top guy in, in ten seconds or less? I, I I mean it's such a tough one, but I, I mean I would have to say Brian Dawkins just to see him get Dawkins. into the Hall there of Fame go. after after the career he had. It was just it was just like everything was lining up for the Eagles to win at all this year. Absolutely. That's good. That's really good stuff, man. Well, we've had a lot of fun. Absolutely fantastic interview. You did an amazing job with the contest. Job well done. We're going to do a March Madness one. Are you going to be participating in that as well? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully my Final Four picks don't lose in the first weekend like they seem to do the last couple of years. <laughs> you and yeah, I this, at least, as well. At least in the football ones, we got to go back every week and redo our picks, even if we uh, even if we uh, went belly up the week before. But, Joe, you, you were awesome, man. You really did a great job. We'll bring you back on to just talk Philly stuff. We'll, we'll have you be one of our Philly correspondents. So when something goes down uh, with one of the Phillies teams or when there's ever any buzz with the Sixers or the Eagles or – uh, with Villanova, we'll have to have you on, and, and we can uh, talk rumors and stuff, and, and what the buzz is like in Philly with you. Great, can't wait to touch base with you guys. And I'm not finishing second to you next time, my man. I'm coming for you. So, so the next contest, I'm, I'm going to be running and gunning. I'm going to have to find a way to finish ahead of Joe Quillen if it if it takes everything that I have, uh, reading all night, doing whatever I have to do to handicap. So I'm gunning for you. Please bring all your buddies on board for the next contest. Let's have some fun. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Same time, same place, everyone. Enjoy your sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.